Hello, this is Real Estate Insights, the podcast from Savills that travels the world to bring you the best property stories. And today we're paying our first ever visit to the Middle East and asking whether the coronavirus pandemic has changed the way investors there are thinking about real estate. They're viewing it as a, as a buying opportunity, but also kind of venturing into newer asset types that maybe they, they would not have been interested in before. And we'll be finding out which markets are most likely to benefit from any new approach to overseas investment. Momentum is back in the London market. Since the housing market reopened, the activity levels have been incredible. Asia is back with a boom, and I think Middle East needs to realise that if they don't move on, on decent assets quickly, they will lose them. I'm Guy Ruddle, and on the line from Dubai are three of Savile's finest. Ed Carnegie is head of the Savile's Abu Dhabi office. He runs a team which specialises in residential and commercial agency, property management, valuation and strategic consultancy. Ed works closely with funds, banks and developers on their asset portfolios within the region. Ed, welcome to you. Welcome to Real Estate Insights. Hi, Guy. Stan Enor Glynn is head of international residential sales in the Middle East. He advises everyone from developers to ultra high net worth individuals on residential development and investment in the region and obviously beyond the region as well. Stan, welcome to you. Hi, guys. And Edward Price is an associate director in the Capital Markets team and specialises in advising Middle Eastern clients on their commercial real estate investment strategies. Edward, welcome to you too. Hi, Guy. Nice to speak to you. So, gentlemen, I suppose the first thing, uh, Ed, is how has the Middle East been affected by the whole coronavirus COVID thing? Is it is it similar to other parts of the world? Yeah, it is. But it's, it's probably also fair to say that um, GCC and wider Middle East kind of took a very robust um, uh, take on the whole affair and brought in some, some fairly kind of cohesive and strict measures uh, to control the pandemic moving forward. Stan, it sort of sounds as if the, the, you know, the business activity ground to a halt for a bit, or, or did it sort of manage to keep going? No, I'd say that's fair, Guy. I mean, with, with the restrictions that were in place, you know, people were locked up at home, so the brakes were well and truly on when it came to any sort of residential or commercial investment. Um, that's led us on to there being a lot of pent-up demand. So when the restrictions were lifted... Uh, at the end of Ramadan, uh, we saw a, a massive spike in inquiries and office from buyers who hadn't been able to leave their homes and, and, and now wanted to go out and look for decent opportunities in the market. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're seeing a majority of interest coming from first-time buyers who are in stable jobs right now um, and op- obviously opportunities investors looking to take advantage of good deals in the market for 20 to 30% discounts on stock that's out there right now. And Edward, is that the same on on the commercial side? You know, Stan's talking about the sort of residential side more more of it, but on the commercial side, have you, have you had a similar experience? Yeah, absolutely. I think clearly during the lockdown phase, everybody was very much sort of watching and waiting to see what would happen, um, particularly on from pricing perspective as to whether there would be sort of immediate distress being sort of filtering its way through the market. Um, so we we haven't seen that, but we've definitely seen a, a pickup in activity since since restrictions are lifted and since Ramadan, which is typically a very quiet month in the Middle East. Now that it's sort of opening up a bit, uh, 
Are people behaving in a similar way they did before? Is the thinking about the, the the local markets, the local you know property and investment markets, uh, are they? Is it similar, Ed, to, to to how it was before COVID, or do you think there has been some sort of fundamental change? I mean, guy, yeah, you've got to put it in kind of the, the context of where we were and are in the economic cycle. So, probably it's fair to say since the kind of end, end of two thousand and fourteen. Um, generally been, been tracking downward, um, which has led you know, a lot of, uh, of the investments and, and leasing decisions. Um, and we're not seeing that stop. What, what happened during COVID was a hiatus. So you know, if there was a decision to be made, it would be pushed, pushed out a bit. Um, and that's fair to say for both the corporates and you know, private investors or private lessees. Uh, but now we're starting to see see normality return in terms of kind of transactional volumes. Um, but there is still this this undercurrent of where we sat in the economic cycle anyway, which is basically we're looking at cost reductions for for companies, for private individuals across the board. Um, and I think that will continue with or without COVID. And what's the overall sort of what are the main drivers of the market, of the of the investment market in in the Middle East or the GCC, as as people uh, describe it, the, it, it yeah, are they different from other parts of the world? So yeah, I mean the main drive here is as much as anywhere. It's it's you know it's, it's looking at uh, wealth preservation, but it's also yeah it's it's a developing market. So a lot of the, the kind of local investment um, is into development, um, into infrastructure into other capital projects. Um, yeah, we believe that will continue. The, what, what the region, certainly best in the UAE, hasn't seen is a, a massive attraction for the, the big global investors. Um, we think that will come, but at the moment there's some kind of structural, maybe you know, legal and, and opacity issues um, that, uh, that, that, that are still there. That are preventing that, alongside a kind of a a general dearth of of investment grade assets. I think that's fair to say. Um, Ed Price, what do you think? Yeah, no, I completely agree. Where we have seen international investment is typically alongside a government entity. In recent years, um, a good example of that would be Brookfield um, and their partnership with ICD, which Investment Corporation of Dubai, in, in developing a million square foot office tower. Uh, in the Dubai International Finance Centre. So but there are examples of, of where the UAE and the Middle East has been able to attract inward investment, but the market is predominantly driven by domestic uh, domestic investors. And how much does the oil price impact? I mean, that may be a stupid question, but one imagines, given the importance of oil in the region, you know, does the oil price have a big impact on, on, on sentiment and capital flows and the like? Yes, it, it absolutely does. It, it, in my view, it's a bit of a double-edged sword bill price because while, while clearly um, lots of investors in this part of the world have large exposure to, to petrochemical businesses um, and, and therefore sort of uh, the, the amount of liquidity in the system uh, sloshing around for, for, for investment is, is reduced. Um, on, 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 the, on the other hand of that, um, it is another driver for outward investment because it creates uh, uncertainty within local economies and therefore leads people to diversify out of uh, petrochemical-related businesses and, and economies into, into more stable parts of the world, such as the UK, Europe and the USA. We've been talking so far largely about 
domestic or inward investment into the into your part of the world. But obviously, there is this big thing of outward investment. Stan, you, you, that's a sort of, I guess, a big area for you as well. For you know, for for especially your high ultra high net worth individuals, sort of wanting to invest in property in other parts of the world. Yeah, has has that changed much in the last year with 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 COVID and all that sort of stuff? Is it as as their appetite for outward investment changed no i'd say absolutely the appetite is still there you know we we carried out two new central london launches during uh, during the lockdown period here in dubai and we were inundated with inquiries and virtual tours after that we had in excess of 30 virtual tours which shows me the appetite is still there what what we're finding though is people from this region they're really in a holding pattern right now uh whereas other parts of the world like asia are really they're back with their back with a bang they're buying they're taking advantage of cheap cheap sterling. People in the Middle East are taking far, far more time to make a decision and are wanting to actually physically get on a plane, fly to London or wherever, where else in the world to view the stock before finalising a deal. So I think the big, the big game changer for us this year will be when flights open, will buyers actually travel? Um, if they do, I think second half this year, we could have a real bumper run. Yeah, it's really interesting that, isn't it? You, we, we've done a, a couple of episodes talking about the, the specifically the London uh, residential market and the, and commercial markets actually and, and people's willingness to buy without physically seeing it themselves uh, and uh, what is it do you think that that makes the people in your part of the world actually you know need to sort of feel the brickwork so to speak i i I'd, I'd go as far as saying it's all down to the demographic buyer so if i look back to when i first started traveling to the middle east in 20, 2010 2011 the demographic buyer was i'd say 80 percent investor 20 percent owner occupiers that's shifted 180 degrees now. So we're dealing mainly with only occupiers. So it's an emotional purchase. So therefore, they need to go and physically feel and touch what they're buying. You know, they want to actually get, get to know the areas, see the product before making a decision. You know, these people are buying for their long-term family use uh, and for inheritance purposes. So it's not just about the numbers. It's about something they want to call their second home and use for their own personal use. So, yeah, that's, that's the reason, I believe. Yeah, Edward. On the uh, on the commercial side, uh, it, uh, Stan's talking about London on the residential side and still being a very important market. London's still an important market for, for on the commercial side. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think you can sort of generally split um, Middle Eastern sort of commercial investment into the UK into two categories. The first being wealth preservation, and but for that strategy, we 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 see very much the focus being London, and that 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 remains that remains the case throughout the, throughout the COVID period. Um, the, the other sort of the other channel of investment for, for Middle Eastern groups is, is those sort of seeking the higher yield returns, um, and in those cases they will typically look look to sort of regional UK cities, B locations um, where where those uh, that those yield can be can be found. Um, in terms of profile of assets, they're typically looking for these, and these are generally let to, to blue chip tenants for on long term leases, ten years plus, and um, generally uh, the um, the tenant has to be Sharia compliant, which is which is the fact that you don't need to, they need to worry about from other parts of the world. Um, where, in terms of other parts of the world, where, where's London, if you like, competing with? Is it, is it, is it still all the, you know, the obvious major cities and, 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 and the like? Yeah, it is. It is. And I think with, with the whole Brexit scenario, I think we did see um, an increase in, in investors looking outside of London and looking into the other European cities. So Paris, uh, Frankfurt, Berlin, obviously the major American cities have also always been very appealing to Middle Eastern investors. But uh, the reality tends to be um, that London is a city that, that, that our clients know very well. They've been going there on holidays for years and years. And it, it, 
for various reasons, it tends to be the easier place and the, the, the place where a lot of these groups end up investing into. So while they will look elsewhere, and a lot have, in fact, invested elsewhere, um, the majority of demand still remains for London. And Ed, for, for most of these people, most of these outward, outward-bound investors, how big a deal or how big a role does property or real estate play in their overall portfolios? Well, your question, Guy. Um, I mean, we, we, we have clear sight on that, but, but not, I suppose, relative to what else they're investing in. I mean, we're, we're talking, you know, substantial um, lot sizes that these, these investors are looking at. Um, and, you know, just to kind of, uh, I suppose, echo Edward, um, yeah, we, we're seeing, yeah, the, the old favourites, the UK, the US, Europe, um, being high on the agenda, but also kind of venturing into into kind of I suppose newer asset types that maybe they they would not have been interested in before, and then by that I mean kind of operated housing, whether that's kind of senior living or, or student living. Um, we're seeing quite a pickup in demand for the UK and US at the moment, um, and and yeah, I suppose another kind of interesting. Uh, COVID-related um, nuance is that you know, a lot of these investors, they, yeah, they are sitting on cash and they will buy when the time is right. But at the moment, they're looking to kind of deal flow, looking at you know, seeing what's out there, but are sharpening their pencils. And this is kind of a COVID sharpening effect. And, and we've seen kind of anecdotally you know, 100 bits um, to the north uh, from what they would have paid pre-COVID. So I think yeah, that there's that they're viewing it as a as a buying opportunity, with 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 still the kind of the same remit as before, which is majority is kind of you know, wealth preservation um, and diversification, but with this kind of COVID twist, which they can kind of hopefully juice their returns um, from it. So that's all fascinating, but we can't end this without doing our Savile standout statistic. Everyone has to do it. It's, a, it's an obligation of being on uh, Real Estate Insights. So where should we start? Ed, why don't we start with you? Uh, what is your Savile standout stat? I think I've got a couple here for you, Guy. Um, so positive. Dubai residential real estate transaction increased 25% year on year between 18 and 19 with February 20, showing a further 13% growth compared to Q1 2019. So pre-COVID, Dubai was already showing significant signs of supply absorption, market growth and recovery. That's a pretty good start. Stan, let's have yours. What's your Savile standout statistic? I'm going to relate it back to London because that's the preferred destination of choice for Middle East investors. I want to say that momentum is back in the London market. Um, since the housing market reopened, the activity levels have been incredible. So if we look back week ending 21st of June, the number of sales agreed in the market above 1 million were 48% higher than the weekly average for June 2019. My point being is, now is a great time to invest. Sterling is cheap, property prices in London remain fair, and Asia is back with a boom. And I think Middle East needs to realize that if they don't move on, on decent assets quickly, they will lose them because they're shifting and moving fast. Edward, there's a sort of wave of optimism I'm feeling from from the other two. Are you going to add to that or have you got something less less positive for us? No, I'm going to stick with the positive. Uh, mine's more of a sort of one to watch and that, and that is Egypt. So Egypt has a population of 100 million people and this is set to grow by about 17% over the next 10 years. To put that in context, the next largest populations in the Middle East 
about 35 million of Iraq and Saudi Arabia. Egypt has also got an extremely low, sorry, high working age population, and we expect significant wealth to be created within the country over the coming years. I think they'd be uh, Egyptian investors are ones to watch the international scene for sure. Fascinating. Brilliant stuff. Gentlemen, thank you all very much uh, for that. It's been an absolute pleasure to do our first Middle East-based Real Estate Insights podcast episode. If all that's done is whet your appetite for more information and knowledge, you'll find plenty on the research section of the Savills website, including Impacts 2020, which covers all sorts of tipping points uh, for the real estate world across the globe and including the middle east uh, savills.co.uk slash research is the place to find that and if you aren't already a subscriber to real estate insights then please feel free to become one using your usual podcast provider in the meantime thank you very much for listening see you next time this podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.